Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 10th, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 2. There is a solution on page 20. For context, we will reread the first paragraph beginning with you may already have asked yourself and then pick up where we left off on Friday by reading the following paragraph as well that begins with it is the purpose of this book. Today's readers are as follows. Reading the OA 12 Steps is Jason. Reading the OA 12 Traditions is Sharon. And reading the text are Esther, Chelsea, Judy B. and Lisa P. The share ID for Sunday, February 9th, is 5893. OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jason to read the OA 12 steps. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. This is Jason, Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater from Vermont. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and power to carry that out. Twelve, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, he tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Jason. I will now ask Sharon to read the OA-12 tradition. Okay, thank you, Rebecca. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one, has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. And ten, compulsive excuse me, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public means of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Now I'm going to work. I'm just going to wait and make sure the lines are all muted. Great. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 2. There is a solution on page 20. By rereading the first paragraph beginning with, you may already have asked yourself, and then continuing on where we left off on Friday by also reading the following paragraph that begins with, 
It is the purpose of this book. I will now ask Esther to get us started. Good morning. My name is Esther C., a recovered compulsive overeater in Canada. You may already have asked yourself why it is that all of us became so very ill from drinking. Doubtless you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. Before going into detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize some points as we see them. So these two paragraphs, paragraphs that you know, so beautifully describe the, the purpose of this book. It's going to teach us how and why you know, the first 100 members recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. And just the page before, on page 19, again, the authors tell us, we've concluded to publish an anonymous volume, which is going to suggest a useful program for anyone concerned with a drinking problem. And then the very page before that, page 18, it says, we hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or may be affected. So this is the whole, this paragraph is telling us that the whole point of this book of our program, of our meetings, is to carry the message of recovery to the still-suffering compulsive overeater. It's not to provide a place where we could feel better about ourselves, although that often happens when we get together. And my experience was that when I first came to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, I was given a food plan and, and I was abstinent. And at the meetings, you know, there was reference to the steps. We read bits and pieces of different literature. And there was plenty of mention of tools and slogans and lots of heartwarming fellowship. But it wasn't until I opened the big book with somebody in whom the problem had been solved and I started reading from the very beginning. It wasn't until then that I learned what my problem is, why can't I stop eating, and what's my solution, and what do I need to do to get the solution. This is the purpose of the book, to provide us with the instructions um, that's going to take us out of our misery, take us out of the bondage um, with the food. And this is something that can't be overstated. Um, and as you could see, three pages, each of those pages says the same thing over and over again. And I find um, uh, Bill W. often repetitive in in his writing, and I think that's a good thing to remind us over and over again, we're here to carry a message. We're here to tell you what to do. We're here to be of maximum usefulness to you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone like to share on these paragraphs? Lauren S. This is Paula. May I share? Lauren S. and then Paula. Go ahead, Lauren. Hi. Lauren S., recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, In these two paragraphs, I am reminded of page XIII in the forward to the first edition when it says to show other uh, compulsive of readers precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And before that it says, we have this fellowship of more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Um, and this paragraph, like was just mentioned, is reiterating that, recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body, and it is the purpose of this book. 
I'm also reminded when this book was published in 1939, this was the same as the fellowship. The book of AA was the same as the fellowship of AA, which means the fellowship had a 75% recovery rate recovered. And the term like recovering and, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days and just don't, just don't drink, just don't pick up, you know, those I was told all come all came from rehabilitation centers. We're not centered around the big book. And so, uh, you know, again, um, there you don't have to be recovering your whole life. You don't have to have the obsession your whole life. Um, just be, go, be living, going to the face-to-face meetings. It can be very difficult to watch people not believe there's a solution um, and there is uh, with that I'll pass thank you Lauren Paula thank you Rebecca and thank you for your service this would be Paula recovered compulsive overeater I'm going to start it starts with a, it ends the last paragraph with a question what do I have to do already you see something happening here It is the purpose. A purpose is an aim. We aim well here. And what is to to aim to be direct? Oh, there, a direct purpose. Is that not in our tradition of this book to answer that question? What do I have to do? Such questions specifically. But then it tells you, oh, this is the such relief. We shall tell you what we have done before going into a detailed discussion. That's it. Before they go there, they know where you're at. Honey, I don't think you could take a detailed discussion. So they're going to summarize. Now, isn't that, look at how well that's done to summarize. Covering the main points. That's it. Just the main points. And what is the main points? To come to the place of recovered, only through the steps. And this book, it makes it simple because we need simplicity, because we made it so complex. And they say, as we see them, as we see them. Yeah, I needed corrective lens to see it, but I did. Because I didn't get bogged down by all the details. I listened. The summary is... The awakening, the beginning of the book, directs you to the end of the book. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share? This is Bella. Can I share? Larry. Kim. Bella and Larry and Kim. Go ahead, Bella. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thanks-covered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Rebecca, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. I love these paragraphs because it brings me the strength and the hope, and it brings me again to the point to trust myself. And it says, it starts, you may already have asked yourself, and it's finished with, what do you have to do? Wow, it's such an empowering sentences because I cannot come to a solution. I cannot be successful if, again, I am coming 
to do a diet because my mother wants I should lose weight, because my husband wants I should lose weight, because my children wants they, I should lose weight, because I can find a better job if I will lose weight. No, no. I will find a solution when I will ask myself, what do I have to do? I, I have the power. I have the responsibility to take, to, to, to take, to change my life. Yes, I am responsible to change my life. How I can do it when I know that I have, I am human and I have limitations and yet I have the power to do, to choose, to do the best what I can one day at a time, to do the best choice. Yes, this is what I can do without blaming and without judging. I have the choice to do the best choice one day at a time. Yes, somebody, I have to ask myself, yes, what can I do? Somebody else is trusting me. Now I am curious to know who else is trusting me. And then I know, yes, there is God, the higher power, that trusts me. And if God can trust me, I can trust myself too. And this is the beginning of the solution. Yes, to trust myself. Yes, this is the empowering word. Yes, I can trust myself again. And then I will look for, okay, so now how I can trust myself. And this is the, the book, How Can I Trust Myself. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Larry? Larry, we don't hear you. I'm sorry. Uh, I had unmute. Let me take myself off speakerphone. Can you hear me okay? Yes, Larry, we hear okay, you. Okay, thanks. Thanks so much for your service. Larry, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. We've talked about what do I have to do. And, um, you know, I heard what I had to do for the better part of, you know, for several years. Um, I was unwilling to do what I heard. So I, I address this question and I, I, I address it in a different way. What do I have to do to stay stuck in the disease? There is indeed a recipe for that. Um, I don't want to hear that because I just want to hear, to me, that's a, that's a pessimistic notion. It's a notion of, um, I'd rather just hear hope. But, but again, I share this based on my own experience because I think I, in retrospect, I probably needed to hear a little bit more on what I needed to continue to do to stay stuck because my greatest persuader was the disease. And I was on this line for many, many months and years this very line, and I was stuck in the disease. So what do I have to do to stay stuck? Perhaps by knowing that, I'll, I'll move you know, beyond it. One of the things I had to do in retrospect to stay stuck was the same thing I've always done. Um, and, and for me, that um, was, number one, I did not trust in the process. So if I wanted to stay stuck in the disease, continue not to trust the process. 
I needed to d- debate, analyze, find every reason that I'm different. I needed, in, in order to stay stuck in the disease, I needed for myself, and you may be different, I needed to look for a softer, easier way because really what I wanted was I wanted to lose some weight because I knew, it's funny how I would tell everyone what I needed. I need this. I need a different sponsor. I need someone more nurturing. I need someone that will kick me in the butt. You know, I was the expert of what I needed, and I was more than willing to articulate that to anyone who would listen. And yet, and still, I was stuck in the disease. I couldn't put the food down for more than a day or two or three at a time. And even when I did, I was drowning underwater, eventually to come up for air. So there is a, ra- there is a race. I-, I hate to view it this way, but what do I need to do? I need to work the steps, as we've heard. Why do I need to do that? I better do it quickly. That's been my experience. Some people um, spend years and years hanging around waiting to be sprinkled with pixie dust that will never happen. It never happened for me. Maybe I had to come to a point of desperation. I don't know. But I think in retrospect, what I recognize is had I worked the steps, it's funny, people with many, many years of recovery, we heard a gentleman yesterday on the special edition, many years of recovery, he just said, you know, trust the process. Trust the process. You can debate. You can analyze. Um, you could be too smart for this program. I know I was. And I was so smart that I continued to, to pick up my binge foods again and again and again. And then I would tell you what I needed. Insanity. So um, for me today, um, I just trust the process. I do some things. Do I always feel? Uh, what do I need to do today? Do I always feel uh, a conscious contact with God? Not in every moment. After all, I'm human. Of course, I won't feel it every moment, but I do the drill. I do the things every day, even when I don't feel like doing it. Because it's not about me. My feelings will, will change. They'll come and go. You know, but when I, when, I, when I have the integrity to work my program and do the things and try to connect with, uh, make conscious contact with God, the feelings will change. So what do I need to do today? Do the same thing I did yesterday, which, by the way, I was abstinent yesterday, and I was of service to other people yesterday to the best of my ability. There were some things that I needed to change. Well, I take a a step 10 inventory to see if I can do things better. Was I resentful, selfish, self-centered, fearful? Of, Of course I was. I'm human. I'm not God. I'm a human being. Of course I'm fallible. What do I need to do? Trust in the process. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Kim? Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically? I mean, I have to say, for many years, I thought the purpose of this book was to scare me into sobriety because in my meetings, we always read the stories in the back. And that's what we studied. We studied the stories as if those experiences would strike me abstinent. You know, so the purpose of this book is to answer such questions specifically. What are we told when we come in here? Well, you have to work the steps. You have to work the steps. So what do we often do? We, you know, we have the AA 12 and 12, and we have the OA 12 and 12, and Chapter 1 is Step 1, and Chapter 2 is Step 2, and we try to work the steps out of these books. 
And what those books are, as beautiful as they are, they're simply reflections. They're simply essays on people's experiences working the steps. There's no directions in the OA 12 and 12. There's no directions in the AA 12 and 12. But they're telling us specifically here, it is the purpose of this book to answer the question what I have to do specifically. So if anyone wants to, they can go back to the table of contents because I often have people say, well, what do I do? What do I do? I have to have a sponsor to start. This book was written so that people could have this experience, a spiritual, vital, vital spiritual experience on the assumption no one was even going to have a sponsor. So what do we do as sponsors? We lead people through this book. So if you look at the table of contents, the doctor's opinion is going to explain to us what a compulsive overeater is. It's going to explain to us why we're powerless over food. And then in Bill's story, we're going to see a living, breathing example of what that means to have this disease. We're going to see the unmanageability. So that's step one. And then there is a solution which we're reading now. We're going to learn the difference between a hard eater, a, a, a moderate eater, a true compulsive overeater. Identify in. Do we have this problem? And they're going to give us what the solution is. The solution is God. The solution is a psychic change. We're going to have to come to believe in a power greater than ourselves, which is step two. And then more about alcoholism is going to explain to us why we can't just be abstinent. Step two says, came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. It's telling us we're insane. More about alcoholism is going to explain to us our insanity. The reason why we can't stay stopped is the chapter more about alcoholism. And then we're going to have we agnostics. We agnostics is going to show us that we need a power. It's not going to tell us what we have to believe. It's going to explain to us that we need a power. Step two. We're going to have to come to that conclusion we need a power. And then in how it works, we're going to be taught we have to make a decision of step three, and we're going to be taught step four, how to, to write down and make these lists, this inventory. And then in there, into action, we're going to be taught steps five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven, all in one chapter. And then we're going to be told so we have to work with others. Step 12, we're going to have to try to carry this message. That's in the chapter, working with others. And the third part of step 12 is practice these principles in all of our affairs. Where are all of our affairs? That's the next three chapters for the wives, the family afterwards, and, that, and our employers. That's every place of our life. And we're being told here on 20, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others so envision for you, we're going to be taught how do we create that fellowship we crave. So the 12 steps are in the big book. That's what's so brilliant about this book. And just one last thing, on page 30, on page 60, it tells us being convinced we're at step 3. So we, steps one, two, 1 and 2 are in the doctor's opinion and the rest of the chapter is up to page 60. So it takes us 70-something pages to come to the conclusion that we need to make this decision. And then in page 60 to page 89, we're doing steps 3 through 11. how fast that is. So it takes us a long time to come to those conclusions. But once we come to that conclusion and those decisions, we better get busy because that obsession of the mind is on our back. 
and the steps go very quickly so we can have that psychic change. Because the miracle today is when I have that psychic change, when I walk through these steps, it's not that I'm strong enough to eat the food for one more day. The miracle is I no longer want my binge food. That is the freedom that this book offers. That is the freedom that these steps and having a higher power in your life offers you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. This is Rebecca, and I'd like to share a minute or two. Um, I'm a grateful, compulsive overeater. Thank you all for being here on the line this morning and allowing me to do service. You know, I asked myself why I was ill from overeating, and I asked um, others as well, you know, I could slice it and dice it and analyze and be analyzed about why I had this problem. And uh, no matter how much I explored that, I didn't get recovered. I wallowed in the disease, and uh, it got worse and worse. And um, experts... I came across, thought it was hopeless, you know, they would try to help me, but I know deep down they thought it was hopeless because especially those who were familiar with OA had a bad opinion of the results that we get in the rooms of OA, and they didn't think that, um, you know, it was contrary to their um, understanding. We have some interference on the line. Could you check and make sure your phones are muted? I'll wait a second. Oh, thank you. That's much better. So um, anyway, um, the difference in this program is that we shall tell you what we have done. The people who wrote this book and those of us who have recovered pass on what we have done that has, in fact, worked contrary to expert opinion. It works, and that's what I'd like to share. Thank you for that. And why don't we move on to Chelsea with the next paragraph. This is Chelsea. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today I'm recovered. How many times people have said to us, I, can't, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl. I should think he'd stop for her sake. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is, all lit up again. Should I read the other paragraph, uh, Rebecca? If you'd like to, Chelsea, go ahead. Now, these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. But back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. This... um, Part of the text to me tells me about how frothy emotional appeals mean absolutely nothing, as well as how um, 
the regular eater, the normal eater, doesn't understand why a compulsive overeater can't stop once they start. A normal eater stops eating, so this seems strange to them. And it also um, repeats a theme about um, the frothy appeals, the people, how that will avail us nothing or anything. It starts in the doctor's opinion, where they pointed out on uh, XXV, triple I, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. It's said again in Bill's story um, on page three at the top there, where the friends thought that a lunacy commission should have been appointed. People are confused about what um, exactly we're up against. And this tells me that I'm different. It also tells me that I'm very different from the normal eater. And it explains to me that um, not only the reason why I sat in the rooms for years, because I also was ignorant. I had ignorance about it, and I am a compulsive overeater. But I still had a lot of ignorance about it, and I've heard these very same frothy things said about me. I've been at the counter ordering a meal, knowing, and, and well over 300 and some pounds, still ordering food. And I've heard, you hear people talking about you and stuff, even sometimes if you're walking just even through a mall or something. It, it may ha be happening or it may not be happening, but certainly we have heard some of these different um, observations that they're pointing out here. And they're saying that they would be commonplace if people knew uh, they would be commonplace because we hear them all the time, but they, because of the ignorance of people not knowing that we have this allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind and that we actually have a real illness, it's just looked as like we're gluttons or we're just people who have no control over ourselves. And again, I'm guilty of the same thing myself because I've sat in the rooms and I have basically had this misunderstanding myself. And I have even said to my own self, why can't I stop doing it? Because I was ignorant, too. I was ignorant until I actually went through this process. I was ignorant about the fact that it didn't matter, even with the doctors telling me that I needed to get myself in check with my weight, I needed to get myself in check because I'm going to have to end up on medication, all of that meant nothing for me. It, it just meant nothing except for me to stop on the way home from the doctor's appointment and pick up a bite to eat because I was so rattled about the news I had just heard. So the frothy appeals and the not knowing about what the disease is, this little section right here really summarizes, and they felt it was necessary to lay this out in the beginning so we could be prepared for what's coming up next. It just tells me that I am very different. I'm very different than the normal eater. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Chelsea. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Judy B. from Massachusetts. Go ahead, Judy B. Uh, good morning, <clears throat> Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you for your service. Uh, I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And these paragraphs really speak to me because I think about all the things that were said to me when I was um, in my disease, you know, the doctor said, uh, you know, you have to lose weight, you know, you're destroying yourself, and, you know, you just need to follow a simple food plan, and, and friends would say, just cut your portions and it'll work, or just have a little, or just take one. I mean, these were all things people were telling me, and at that point I didn't understand why I couldn't follow their directions. 
until I, I discovered this program and, and learned that I was a real compulsive overeater. And, and now I'm so grateful to be recovered and to have this compulsion removed. And yet I hear some of these same things all the time. And, you know, it, it's not that, um, that people want to tempt us or want to be mean. It's just that they don't understand I mean, now now people say things like, um, "We're only celebrating this once." You know, you have to participate. You know, or, "Oh, it's just birthday cake. You have to celebrate with us." Or diet tomorrow. Celebrate another time. You just you look terrific. Now, why don't you just try one? Don't be so rigid. Lighten up a bit. I mean, I just the. The chatter that we hear out in the real world, we just have to know ourselves so well. We have to know, and I have to know, that I am a compulsive overeater, and that if I listen to these lies, I am in big trouble. I am in big trouble. And uh, the misunderstanding that's out there in the world is just so rampant. And um, I'm just so grateful for this program because this book is going to tell us. They're going to to explain to us how we know that we are real compulsive overeaters. And we're going to be given instructions so that we know exactly what to do so that this is, is lifted from us and the obsession is gone. Um, we'll always have the allergy, but we know what to do about it. I'm just so grateful for this program and so grateful for the directions given in the big book. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy B. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? Yeah, this is Sharon. May I share? I heard Sharon, and was it Lynn? Yeah, Gwen from New York. Oh, Gwen. Did I hear any other voices? I heard Sharon, Gwen, and who else? Leah. Okay. Leah. Okay, Sharon, Gwen, and then Leah. Go ahead, Sharon. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Um, Thank you for your service, Rebecca, and welcome to everyone out on the line. Um, When I read this paragraph about uh, what other people say to us, you know, um, why can't you just leave it alone? Just eat in moderation. Just, uh, you know, just lighten up. Don't don't worry about it. it. Won't hurt you if you have this little tiny piece. And on and on and on the scenario goes. And I wanted to believe all those lies uh, because I wanted to be uh, a normal eater. I wanted. I did not want this disease. And part of that was my inability to accept that I was totally powerless over this disease. As strange as it may seem, I was powerless over an inanimate object that was in a bag, a container, a plastic bag, whatever it was in, you know, because I had no control once I took that substance that my system would not allow me to take. And then the mental obsession that kept me convincing and believing myself that um, I didn't have to believe the truth. All I needed to do was believe the lies and just, uh, you know, pull myself up one more time and do it one more time and I would prove that I was not a compulsive overeater. So as a result of that, I struggled for many, many years in this program. Um, 
because I refuse to realize what it says up in the paragraph, I think three above, I have a hopeless condition of mind and body. And if I want to get over that, then this is what I have to do. I have to quit believing the lies, and I can't do that on my own either. My mind will lie to me every time. So it was the beginning of understanding, in the doctor's opinion, that it was a twofold illness, a hopeless state of mind and body, and that that was the way it was, and that was never going to be different. And then the willingness to accept that my willpower was useless. And then I was able to... um, take these steps and see what it's like to live recovered rather than always being in and out, in and out. Uh, And I am just so grateful for that. I'm grateful for this program. I'm grateful to be on this line every day so that I hear this because I need to hear it over and over again. And um, so I'm just very grateful for everyone uh, on this line and grateful for everyone out there who um, is listening because if it works for me after struggling for so many years, it will work. All we have to do is lay down those lies and do the steps that prevent that from happening over and over again. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Karen. (laughs) Yes, thank you very much. I, well, first of all, I, you know, I, I highly recommend this meeting. Um, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how long I've been coming to it. I, not quite two years. I think it's more like a year and a half. And uh, just, it's a fantastic meeting. And, um, and you know, I think the thing with recommendations is that I, I've, I myself know that when friends who know me say, "Oh, yeah, no, you could have a little bit," blah, blah, blah that I bristle because, um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, these very often are friends who are addicts themselves, and what I mean, they're compulsive overeaters, and whatever they feel that they're doing, uh, you know, to 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 um, you know, uh, you know, for themselves. I understand that that they're compulsive overeaters and addicts, and some of my best friends are. I'll tell you that. And um, what I want to say to you is that that I that I know my limit, and I know that because I have for myself an addict gene inside me. That, that that I have to I have to adhere to the program as well as to a certain way of eating and not eating always and I don't use the word always often always so with that said I just want to say that I have compassion for my friends who are trying to do it their own way and I have compassion for a particular friend who I see as all beat up you know, her face looks all beat up from the ravages of overeating. And I feel so bad for her because she does not have a problem as far as she's concerned. She's doing it her way. And I feel a sense of helplessness as, how, you know, how, how can I intervene at this point? And that's not the topic, and this isn't what we're talking about right now. But what I know for myself is that, you know, I've said it before, there's not, there's, there's not my way. There's adherence to the program, a willingness and a recognition of the first step. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gwen. Leah? 
Thanks so much, Rebecca, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. How many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone, why can't he? (laughs) Um, You know, just stop eating, just push yourself away from the table, um, you know, moderate. Um, You know, I I heard all that kind of stuff, uh, just like the big book is conveying here. You know, my parents told me that. Uh, physicians told me that, my spouse told me that, my employer told me that, um, you know, (laughs) hospitals told me that, um, not, you know, stop eating or push yourself away from the table or stop the bulimia, stop the starvation, you know, all that, that was not a news flash for someone like me. (laughs) Don't eat was not a news flash for someone like me, a real compulsive overeater. I had to compulsively overeat. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> I had to compulsively overeat because when the pain of living got so bad, I didn't know anything else that worked than compulsive overeating. And even when it stopped working, I would continue to pursue that, even though I knew it wasn't going to work, even though I knew it was going to bring suffering and uh, consequences, Um, I knew it was going to cause more trouble. I knew my life was a mess. Um, You know, but one day I'd get it under control. (laughs) One day I would get it under control. Um, You know, what happens is when people start saying these things, you know, over years or even over decades, why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit, you know, why don't you try this and that, why don't you push yourself away from the table, Um, you know, I began to internalize those messages, and I began to see this disease in moral terms. You know, I began to uh, see it that I was uh, lacking of moral character, that I was spineless, that I was stupid, um, you know, and that only increased my my sense of failure and my self-loathing. You know, because the reality of someone like me, a real compulsive overeater, is that when I ate my binge foods, I lost control. But you know what? (laughs) When I didn't eat my binge foods, I lost control. (laughs) You know, so I would suffer in silence. And, um, you know, I would try all the more to wrest control of the uncontrollable. And, of course, that would set set the stage for more failure and more self-loathing, and it was just an endless, vicious cycle. An endless, vicious cycle. You know, I knew something was very, very, very wrong with me and my relationship with food since I was a kid. And I even knew I was a compulsive overeater, although I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know I had a disease. I didn't know what I was up against. I didn't understand the depths to which this disease would take me. I didn't get how hot hell was going to get. I did not know this disease was going to progress at the voracious rate that it did. I did not know that until I lived it. Until I lived it. You know... (laughs) Food and weight were a symptom of a, of a much deeper uh, mental madness that was going on and an allergy of the body. Um, you know, if I didn't have such a wide variety of experience regarding compulsive overeating, I wouldn't be here. Uh, presumably, you know, presumably what I didn't know about prior to January 1987, is how does Leah live in Leah without having to compulsively overeat to tolerate it? 
that was a much deeper issue that needed to be uh, taught to me through these pages. You know, it goes on to say, now these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance. Ignorance means lacking knowledge. My parents lacked knowledge. My spouse lacked knowledge. My employer lacked knowledge. My physicians lacked knowledge. Although they all were well-meaning, they lacked knowledge and they had a misunderstanding. They may still all have uh, ignorance and a misunderstanding about it. The important thing is, do I know who and what I am today? Do I know I'm bodily and mentally different today? Do I know that? Do I accept that? And that's what the big book teaches me. And that's what the process of the steps do is allow that obsession of the mind, the greater aspect of the disease, to be expelled, driven out. And then the allergy of the body is a non-issue because I don't want those things that used to kill me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Nicole. Could I share? Sure, Nicole. Go ahead. Hi, my name's Nicole. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. And um, where it says, back of them is a world of ignorance and understanding and misunderstanding. And I think for me, I misunderstood it so much that I couldn't um, just have one. You know, I thought I I could still control it, didn't really believe that I was a true compulsive overeater and that my reactions were very different from from other people. I, I didn't I didn't want to believe it. I knew something was wrong, but I, I didn't want to accept that. And um, I do see, uh, you know, so much of this misunderstanding of, um, from, you know, my my family and friends and, and uh, you know, why don't you just have one? It's not going to hurt you. You can just do it this time. And, and um, at times I've been frustrated and feel that, you know, why don't you understand? And this reminds me here that these expressions from people, it's not, um, it's not anything that they're trying to hurt me or malicious. They they just don't understand. And, and I've realized I can't expect them to understand because their reactions are different from mine. They are not compulsive overeaters and they are they are not going to understand the the malady that I have, the um you know, the physical and the mental problem both that we've um you know uh read about in this book and so it's unfair of me to expect that people who are not compulsive readers like me are going to understand. And that's been a really freeing um, thing for me that I can, when people can, can say that, why can't you have this one? I can just say, oh, you know, just they, they don't understand. They're not a compulsive reader. I don't expect them to understand. But I, I do understand that I am a compulsive overeater and that my reactions are very different um, than uh, non-compulsive readers. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Nicole. This is Rebecca, and I'd like to share a little bit on um, his willpower must be weak. So uh, my willpower wasn't weak. I'd say my willpower was pretty strong because I kept trying one more diet or one more hypnotist or 
you know, adult education class or um, book about nutrition or um, therapist or whatever. I mean, I kept trying. My willpower was strong. And um, I actually had success on occasion with some weight loss due to my willpower. And it was when I was having success with my own willpower that I was actually able to see, finally, that I was powerless because I was having success with the diet and I was telling myself, oh, I'm only going to have a little bit of what turned out to be revealed to be a binge food. And I couldn't, I couldn't have just a little bit. Once I had a little bit, I had to have more. And here my willpower was strong. And I thought to myself, what's going on here? How could I have more than I willed myself to have when I'm on the road to success with weight loss? And the light bulb went on and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm powerless over this food. My life is unmanageable. I, it doesn't matter how much willpower I have. I can't stop from eating this because I'm powerless. And so now I know from being in these rooms, this has nothing to do with how much willpower I have. My willpower is not weak. I have an illness, an allergy of the body, that when I pick up my binge foods, no amount of willpower in the world is going to keep me from having to have more. And an obsession of the mind that no amount of willpower is going to squelch that says I have to have it even if I haven't been eating it because I have an illness that's made up of those two components. And it's the power of something higher than my willpower that can restore me to sanity and by the grace of God has. And with that, I will pass. And um, we're very close to five minutes before the hour. Does anyone else have a burning desire to share on these two paragraphs before we wrap up? Okay. Then I think we will go to our closing. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Judy B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Judy B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. 
Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.